You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, where I serve as the Senior Analyst for the Alabama-affiliated website as a part of the 247sports.com network. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Our Fair City. Always a great option for you. Always a nice pick-me-up. Treat yourself today at Peterbrook chocolates here walk in there take in the aroma of that outstanding chocolate and then immerse yourself in the options whether it's the chocolate dipped oreos maybe it's the chocolate dipped peanut butter ritz crackers maybe it's one of those caramel dipped chocolate dipped double dipped granny smith apples wow so many great options from which to choose at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, the one, the only, Joe Gaither. It may be the ghost of Joe Gaither at this point, but I believe it is the real deal Joe Gaither back with us on the program, and we are certainly happy about that. And by the way, we still do combine to form. The 60-minute man. Woo! A sports talk radio. Joe Gaither, is that you? It is me, Travis. I'm back and better than ever and excited to be here. We are thrilled to have you back. I will say this. James, Lu- James Ludeman was outstanding. Uh, you know, you talk about sort of a Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga, Vailoa combination. When it comes to producing the program, that's what we've got here, man. James was outstanding. We're pulling for his raise now as a as a result of his good work here on Southern Fried Sports. Rays and the Dodgers cranking up the 2020 World Series tonight. Game one set to get underway out there in Arlington, Texas. But certainly glad to have Joe back and uh, certainly happy to hear from you at 205 342 9904, if you'd like to check in, we would love to hear from you. We have Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News coming up in segment number two. We'll go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent. A lot to talk about. Not as maybe a busy a week, uh, busy of a Saturday coming up because, uh, you know, we had some shuffling of the schedule due to the COVID, but it's still a very Fairly full slate of games. You got the Big Ten coming online this weekend. I put up a poll question there at Travis Ryer on the Twitter asking you for your level of enthusiasm where the Big Ten getting cranked up is concerned. Uh, your options, meh, it's pretty good without it. And then your second option, hey, bring it on. The more the merrier. And at last check, it looked like meh was in the lead, 62% compared to 38 for those who are at least somewhat enthusiastically awaiting the kickoff of the 2020 Big Ten season. What about you, Joe Gaither? Where do you kind of stand on that with the Big Ten? I mean, are you, are you, 
are you excited about it? Are you in that more the merrier corner, or is, is it going to go maybe largely unnoticed? I think I'm in the more the merrier category. The more football on my television, the better. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not going to say I'm fiending for it, but uh, we'll see Ohio State on TV a couple times. I think that Minnesota Michigan game might might turn out to be good. So uh, yeah, more the merrier. All right, there you go. You know what I'm actually more excited about because of where the games sort of fall on Saturday and they fill a void more so than in terms of just content. The Mountain West. Exactly, baby. Saturday night Mountain West action. Mountain West after dark instead of the Pac-12 for the time being until we get the Pac-12 cranking back up here in a couple weeks. That's what I like to see on the old TV guide for this upcoming Saturday you're going to have Air Force at San Jose State in that 930 Central slot on FS1. And then also at the same time, and I know you could care less, but you like to have it on, right, at 930 on Saturday night. What else you got going on? Especially if you're a boomer like yours truly, UNLV at San Diego State. So you got two 930 Central games this week. Welcome back. Welcome back, Mountain West Conference. And, of course, our – University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, part of that Mountain West Conference. So we're excited about their uh, their kickoff to the 2020 season as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to check in with us, you've got Alabama, Tennessee coming up Saturday at uh, Venerable Neyland Stadium up there in Knoxville, Tennessee. Nick Saban yesterday at his Monday press conference reviewing the Georgia win, putting that one in hindsight, he talked about turnovers and the importance of them, not only in the game with Georgia on Saturday, Alabama plus two in turnover margin. Anytime that happens and you get sort of maximum production out of your big four on offense like Alabama did to go along with an offensive line that pretty much ragdolled Georgia defensively for the entirety of that fourth quarter, hanging on to the football for 11-plus minutes, that recipe is typically going to work out pretty good for Alabama. When Alabama outscores opponents 21 to nothing off turnovers, yeah, I think Alabama is going to be pretty well untouchable. Um, But with Tennessee coming up, you know, there was a question about Georgia at the quarterback position, not so much who was going to play, but just Stetson Bennett, in general, but with Tennessee, you saw three quarterbacks for the Vols in their ultra disappointing 34 to 7 loss to Kentucky last Saturday up there in Knoxville. And so, in the process, you saw Jared Guarantano, the starter, but after he threw two pick sixes, you saw JT Shrout come off the bench. You also saw the true freshman. A lot of hype, a lot of buzz. And at this point, at two and two, and with Guarantano, showing some of the same ill effects uh, that we've seen from him in previous years where the turnover bug is concerned. I think Guarantano, last two games, six turnovers he's had a hand in. Uh, They are officially up there on Harrison Bailey watch, the true freshman from the Atlanta area. A lot of excitement there. Is it because Harrison Bailey is the next – Peyton Manning, or maybe even just the next Eric Ainge. Well, he's just next, I think, at this point. Again, you know, he was a top three, top four pro-style passing quarterback prospect for the class of 2020, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. But uh, I think it's more about the Tennessee fan base has seen enough of Jared Guarantano to understand that uh, this ain't it, Chief. And so we'll see on Saturday. Nick Saban said there probably isn't going to be a much in the way of disparity as far as preparation. And when you look at these three guys for Tennessee, Guarantano, Shrout, and Bailey, in terms of skill set, physical capabilities, they're pretty similar. You know, I think for Tennessee this week, it's going to be all about running the football. I don't think it's going to be like Georgia last week where once Alabama got up 10 in the third quarter, you saw Georgia kind of get away from the run altogether and start asking Stetson Bennett in that passing game to do more than it was capable of. I think Tennessee, if it's 10, 14, as close as that 
in the third quarter into the second half, I think Tennessee's going to keep trying to pound that running game with Eric Gray and that offensive line, which to this point anyway, just looking at the numbers and also watching this group, hasn't exactly lived up to it. Got owned by that same Georgia front that Alabama had some success with last Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. So uh, those will be the matchups. The uh, Tennessee run game. And can Alabama consistently slow it down enough to put the game more in Guarantano's hands? And when it does, can it get pressure on Jared Guarantano and force him into some of these mistakes that have been all too common for the liking of the Tennessee fan base. 205-342-9904. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line right now. Speaking of Tennessee, Ellis up in Manchester, home of Bonnaroo. Ellis, how you doing on this Tuesday morning? Hey, that is what's going to happen. We're going to get pressure and the ugly, puked <laughs> orange balls are going down. This is, not by the way. Nothing out of them this week since they got slaughtered by the Wildcat up there. Yeah. Yes, it's quiet. That guy that said book it, to me, he's been saying book it ever since, <laughs> you know, it started. Uh-huh. Well, he's not said book it no more to me. Yeah. So. Broke it. Broke it. Um, by the way, this is your Super Bowl this week, isn't it, Ellis? This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Travis, I think this is the most hated rivalry of all. I don't know if it is so? with the players. I don't know if it is with the players, but I think it is with the fans. I think there's some logistics in play, excuse me, some demographics in play when you start breaking down the Alabama rivalries with Tennessee and well, Auburn, what, obviously. Yeah, well, you look what they've done to us. Look what Philip Former did, you know. Well, and, so, and also, I, just, I mean, you you live right there in the middle of it. You know, yeah, so right I think in the middle of it. Folks and I don't give the Tennessee them, Valley I didn't give North. them slack. Yeah. I didn't even give them slack at uh, church Sunday morning. Oh, you got after them I let, at church, I let them Ellis. have it at church Sunday morning. That's they did not none very of Christian-like, talk. Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> none, of, none of them <laughs> talk. Even the Auburn fan didn't even talk. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a bad weekend to be an Alabama fan. You thump Georgia, and then uh, you have Auburn and Tennessee lose. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was for, awesome. For Alabama fans, it was the trifecta. <laughs> it was right? an awesome weekend. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I'm ready for this. Uh, uh-huh. It's going to be a beatdown, Travis. A, a beatdown. Beat I believe that line sits at 19 and a half or so. So you're projecting uh, something along those lines, I'm guessing, Ellis. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a beatdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, are yeah. you back on the Pete Golding train where that defense is concerned for Alabama? They look better. Uh, the second half. That was, that was a non-answer, Ellis. That was a non-answer, well, but I... <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I still think it's got all got something to do with this virus, you know, that kept them behind. I still, you know, I still yeah. think they're behind a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because, you know, they didn't it get to practice. Like, you know, they... It seemed like Saturday was a little bit of a bounce back for defenses in general, though. You know, you saw defenses maybe playing a little better last weekend. We'll see. Yeah, the second half, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, they can't practice like offense can, you know. So, you know, they're behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, I think Moses – uh, I think that's what's wrong with him, you know. He's just – he's you know, he was out the whole year last year. So, and, I, thought uh, it was, I thought it was encouraging yesterday, Ellis, to hear Nick Saban – say that he thought Moses played with more physical confidence against Georgia. And that's everything. Coming off that injury, as you said, the downtime since he last played in an actual game, and he's also playing a new position, trying to run the show, everything that goes with that. You know, I've made the comparison to Dante Hightower in 2010, kind of what he went through. You see some of those parallels, but uh, that was encouraging, I thought, yesterday from Nick Saban. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, he's got calmer in these years, hasn't he? Uh, I, I would say more tolerant. He's, he's a more tolerant Nick Saban, 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he still, was still bowling He still got his fastball. I mean, you was, saw the fastball early in the game Saturday night with the officials. I mean, it didn't take long, so. Yeah. Well, I've but, seen uh, him and uh, Pete Golden get into it on the sideline. Well, you know, I that comes with that job. I seen him chew him out, and then, and then I seen him turn around and chew him out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, kind of, what 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 is your uh, what's your grade for Steve Sarkeesian right now as the offensive coordinator? Oh, uh, there ain't no higher grade that you can give a person. A double plus, I, huh? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome, Travis, and I love Veteran. it. You know, everybody says, "Oh, run the ball." I've always wanted to see Alabama pass the ball like this, and I'm just yeah, I'm loving it. every minute of it. You know, makes you makes I know you, you got to go. Do what? Yeah, it, it, this probably it. You would think for Sark, if everything continues to trend in the direction it is offensively, you got to think Steve Sarkeesian's a head coach somewhere next year. My question, my thought is, you know, with the way the NFL is set up right now, and the hires you see being made in the NFL, and understanding that Atlanta Falcons fans may feel differently about this suggestion, seeing as how the Falcons fired Steve Sarkeesian uh, a little less than two years ago as offensive coordinator. Why not Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach in the National Football League? I mean, it's all about offensive guys. And, uh, and he's an offensive guy. Yeah. I mean, Eric being of the Chiefs, you got some other guys out there that are deserving of the opportunities. But, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury – Went from fired as the head coach at Texas Tech to the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who Kenyon Drake and the rest of those guys put a thumping on those Cowboys last night. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, what about uh, the uh, the coach for the Jets? Have you ever heard of him? Oh God, Adam Gase. I mean, if you're if you're a Jets <laughs> fan, would you take Sark right now over that? Yeah. Uh, if you're a Jets fan, yeah. you know you would. Yeah. But one All more right, thing. Alice. One more thing, I just want to say that I love watching Jalen Waddle play football because if you watch him, he's always got a big smile on his face, and you can say he's enjoying every minute of it. You can see it on the field that he just loves being out there. And uh, he loves it. And and I just love that, seeing uh, somebody that enjoys playing football that much. Yeah, enjoy it while you can. That's another one. But uh, you're yeah, right. Yeah. He's a lot of fun to watch, no doubt about it. All right, Ellis, try to try to stay, you know, somewhat calm the rest of the week. And uh, check in with us if you get a chance, all right? Oh, I will. And Bonnaroo's going to be in September. How about that? That'll be different. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. See all you. right. Take care. There he goes, Ellis, up in Manchester, Tennessee. Going to step aside for a break. We come back. Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News joins the program on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Out from the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Second-ranked Alabama improved to 4-0 on the season with a 41-24 victory over third-ranked Georgia on Saturday. Attention now turns to this week's opponent, Tennessee. Head coach Nick Saban addressed the media on Monday afternoon. And I think everybody knows that this Tennessee game is, you know, a big rivalry game. Um, means a lot to a lot of people in the state of Alabama. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that because it's a rivalry game, we're going to get the absolute, you know, best version of Tennessee's team. You know, Jeremy's done a really good job there, in my opinion. Uh, they played very, very well this this year. You know, last week was the uh, a little bit of an anomaly. And I'll have more in a moment. Tradition is built by doing the right things over and over again. At Alabama, this means 27 SEC championships and 17 national titles. Well, at Dex Imaging, this means taking great care of our customers day in and day out. Dex Imaging has a tradition of providing quality office equipment at a fair price with quick, reliable service. Put Dex Imaging's tradition of satisfied customers to work for your business. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of the Crimson Tide. Alabama football's Mac Jones was selected as the Southeastern Conference Offensive Player of the Week. The honor is Jones' second of the season as the redshirt junior also picked up league honors following the Texas A&M win. 
Jones completed 75% of his passes on Saturday and totaled 417 yards and four touchdowns against the nation's top-ranked defense in Georgia. And that's your Ram Update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Picture perfect weather across Tuscaloosa today, highs near 85. For Wednesday, mostly sunny skies, highs near 86. And for Thursday, a slight chance of a passing afternoon shower or storm, highs near 84 degrees. I'm meteorologist James Spann on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! BamaOnline.com. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. It is October the 20th. It should be, it still is, I guess, the 70th birthday for the one, the only, Tom Petty. Lost Tom Petty, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. A guy who, uh, iconic figure, obviously, in music, especially in the South. And when you connect so many of these bands with, like, SEC towns, well, for the University of Florida, it's Tom Petty. Tom was from right there in the Gainesville area. Uh, I guess, you know, depending on, again, if you're talking Athens, Georgia, like we were last week, in advance of that matchup with Alabama, it was rem the b-52s the drive-by truckers and so uh there you go tom petty born on this day in 1950 a guy who i think is probably a pretty good fan pretty big fan of tom petty uh based on the regional aspect of it at least what about it brent beard as we bring you on here tom petty a pretty big deal everywhere but certainly uh with roots right there in, in your neck of the woods down there tom petty is um, at the end of the, um, or at some point during the Florida games, they were saying, I won't back down, uh, rather, uh, in full throat, uh, <laughs> at, uh, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. So, uh, it's really amazing the number of people that we've lost in music, uh, over the last few months. And it's been very unfortunate, uh, part of the pandemic type thing. But, uh, uh, great point, Trav, that, uh, music, very associated with SEC schools, and as always, great to be on with you. Yeah, I won't back down. I think that's Florida's version of like Dixieland Delight in Alabama. Kind of that uh, between the third and fourth quarters, although they still, I'm guessing, like to do We Are the Boys from old Florida uh, that the Florida fans do. (laughs) That will never end. (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, for F L O R I D A, they sing down there. Hey, Brent, uh, I know you made the trip up to Tuscaloosa over the weekend for Alabama, Georgia. So let's get some firsthand impressions from you, not only in terms of the game itself, but you've been to so many games at Bryant Denny Stadium, a University of Alabama graduate growing up there. Also, of course, in Jasper, Alabama, Walker County, stand up. We love Walker County here on the <laughs> Absolutely. program. Uh, Describe the experience, Brent, in comparison to what you typically encountered there at Bryant. Well, well, it was surreal, I think, because of the crowd or the lack thereof. But still, there were enough people there to uh, make noise. Uh, and listen, Trav, as much as I enjoy music, the rock concert, but every play. <laughs> at some point, gets to be a little bit annoying. And and Brent and I were together. Uh, Brent Beard, to my twin who twin does brother. sports yeah. radio in Huntsville, uh, I made the point to him. I said, I'm, I'm frankly surprised that, that Nick Saban allows that to go on. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, he's the kids involved love in the it, game. Though, Brent. I know the they do. Those recruits. Not that there were any recruits there right now, but that, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Idiot. But, but it, it was, uh, and, and obviously the, uh, uh, and look, you told me about this, and I didn't realize it until I got there. 
it's not only the changes in the stadium, but Trav, the 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 last time I was in Tuscaloosa was the LSU game last year. In between now and then, the building and the cranes and the yeah. new condos in Little Nashville. Uh, it's uh, it just absolutely mind-boggling in a lot of ways. And, and again, people people snicker at me about that down here, and I don't care. But uh, that, that they don't realize uh, what Saban has done, uh, Trav, not only on the field, right, but but certainly off the field, then measurable. Oh, it is. Uh, you've got new condos right there on University Boulevard that have gone up right between yeah. the Strip and downtown. I mean, you can't miss them. A five no. or six story no, condo no. hanging over almost University Boulevard. The Chocolate Lady did some research on those and informed me that one of those is going for one point two million. A condo <laughs> oh, on University oh. Boulevard. Oh, yeah. Oh, or you can be wo- waking up in the middle of the night by raucous, drunken <laughs> young folks, revelers. Yeah, yes. For $1.2 million, you too can have that experience right there <laughs> on University Boulevard. But the game itself, Brent, obviously uh, you know, had the look of maybe another shootout for Alabama there as we got into the latter stages of the second quarter. Georgia goes ahead by a touchdown late in the second quarter. Alabama is able to manage a field goal. 24-20 at the half, I mean, at that point, you're thinking maybe first to 40 mm-hmm. wins the game. And I guess it did play out that way, ultimately. But you thought maybe, I'm, I'm guessing you thought at the time, both these teams might have a chance to get there. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And and, and uh, I was I was impressed, obviously, with the plan for Alabama. They had a great offensive plan. The offensive line, uh, I thought, was superlative throughout the game. Uh, because uh, except for, for for maybe a play or so, Mac Jones had a p- pretty clean pocket against what I still think is a very good Georgia defense. Uh, Bama took advantage of the Georgia secondary as they will do with pretty much uh, anybody and everybody. Uh, but uh, I, I thought the improvement of the Alabama defense was uh, humongous in the game. I I, I, know, I know it was a risk, and, and and I'm sure you've talked about this, but. Going to the zone, frankly, or more of a zone than the man-to-man, uh, and Alabama had not really shown that, particularly against Ole Miss. I think Nick Saban thought they could win the first few games, and they did. Uh, now, again, uh, they're, they're, it's not perfect. They've got to work on the punting and the kickoff coverage. I know, as you have mentioned uh, in, in your writing, but – uh, Trev, all in all, uh, the fourth quarter, to have the ball for 11 minutes and 21 seconds, frankly, was indicative of classic old-time Alabama football, was it not? It really was sort of uh, like a throwback recipe to your grandmama's buttermilk biscuits or something, yeah. right, when it comes to Alabama football. Um, takeaways? Uh, efficiency on third down on defense in the second half, and then melt away the fourth quarter clock with a run yeah. game that ran it, I think, 18 times there in the final 15 minutes. Uh, you know, that game had a little bit of everything. That was that was the gift that kept on giving to an entire fan base, whether it was the leather helmets that prefer more of the run-the-ball approach or the <laughs> – the younger folks that love the wide receivers and the passing game and Mac Jones doing his thing. And, you know, we get back to Mac Jones again and, and both understanding exactly where he comes from down there in Northeast Florida. Uh, I got to ask you, what, what's the, what, what's the sort of temperature of the folks down there understanding that, you know, he is from right there in the backyard of the university of Florida and Florida state and, here he is on the biggest stages throwing for 400 yards in three straight games. Well, I've had some local media call me and say, I really would like to get in touch with Mac Jones. Can you help me? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it, it is, um, I, I think people really appreciate what he's done. Uh, and, and again, uh, I just can't emphasize, emphasize this enough that Mac Jones to me still is a product of Corky Rogers and the Bulls system. Uh, and, and, and uh, there's no doubt and how he has grown from that immature with coach Saban and also 
uh, Sarkeesian, I think, has made a difference uh, along that line, too. I mean, he's pretty well unflappable uh, at this point. Uh, I, to me, the thing that has impressed me as much as anything else, the Mac Trav has been his um, – uh, the efficiency and how accurate he's been. Uh, listen, like Tua, the, the thing we always raved about Tua is that he could hit the receiver between the numbers. And I'm not saying Mac does that every time, but Trav, he's getting pretty close, isn't he? He is more patient, I think, than Tua was. Because <laughs> if you go back to the 2018 SEC championship game, yeah, Tua had injuries in that game, but Tua also tried to force a lot of things in that game, and he paid for it with a couple of turnovers. I think if there's an area where Mac has it a little bit over Tua, it's there. And really, when you think about it, he probably should. He's a fourth-year guy. Yeah. You know, he's sort of new to the position of starter, but uh, he's he's a redshirt junior, and so that maturity, I think, definitely. Uh, helps him, and, and there's no doubt, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, the emergence of John Mechie, uh, to go along with a solid guy like even Miller Forstall as a, a fourth option and, well, maybe even a fifth option if you get beyond Najee Harris and what he's able to do as a receiver. But let me ask you this. Better chance next year that Nick Saban is coaching with Steve Sarkeesian or against Steve Sarkeesian? I would say at this point it, it, it may be against if this offense continues to evolve the way that it has. I mean, it would be tough. Let that, 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 me put it this way. That would probably have to make him uh, either the highest paid OC travel or close, wouldn't they? It would. And here's the thing I would say, too, with Sark, even beyond college jobs, why not Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach in the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is the guy that the NFL is hiring every year to to jobs, the offensive guy. Um, look at Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury failed up from Texas Tech, gets fired at yeah. Texas Tech. <laughs> uh, looks like he's going to end up maybe, I guess, at SC or somewhere as an OC. And then he's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who absolutely put a beat down on the Dallas Cowboys last yeah. night. On Monday Night Football, so I, I don't I don't discount even that possibility. No. Steve Sarkeesian is an NFL head coach next year. Maybe we'll go ahead and and uh, run that out there. We're not uh, we're not offering or, or <laughs> cheering for Sark to leave, no. but uh, he has been very good. He has maximized yeah. the talent. Um, but at the end of the day, was Saturday night maybe? the game the Alabama offensive line had been waiting on so far this season, not only in terms of what it was asked and allowed to do, especially in that fourth quarter, but the challenge, you know, these guys, they have ears, they have eyes. Sure. You know, they hear and see, well, man, Georgia, you you just can't run the ball against this Georgia defense. Tennessee had minus one yards rushing against Georgia. It seemed like they were especially prepared and especially motivated for that challenge Saturday night. Well, there were guys like Alex Leatherwood, Trav, who was everywhere, wasn't he? Uh, I, I mean, he, he was just an absolute low, uh, uh, road grader at times. Uh, and there's no doubt that Georgia's defense comes in. Uh, what, uh, people talk about it as being, a, being an elite defense. And for Bamble to be able to uh, uh, establish what they did, uh, I think, was uh, quite impressive. There's no doubt about that. And... And I know the uh, the uh, wide receivers get so much publicity, but I still say the threat to be able to throw it to Najee or to Forstall and some of these other tight ends really only makes that group uh, even better uh, at this point. It will be interesting to see. I still think Bama needs to play more players, and hopefully over the next few weeks they'll be able to do that for COVID and also for developmental purposes, but there's no doubt the offensive line made a real statement. Yeah, I think that's a good point about depth needing to probably come into play more at the skill positions because it's been very heavy with Waddle and Smith and Mechie and a little bit of Slade Bolden, who we saw again against Georgia on Saturday night. 
And I'd say the same for Najee Harris, too. I think he's somewhere around 60 carries mm-hmm. in these last two games. And, you know, we've seen Derrick Henry in the past uh, child's play. But, <laughs> you know, Brian Robinson, I would think, becomes more of a part of it. And he has uh, in recent weeks. But uh, perhaps, as you said, you'll have that opportunity more with Tennessee and Mississippi State coming up next. Brent? Uh, elsewhere around the Southeastern Conference, as we look ahead to the upcoming weekend, well, you talk about a couple of teams in need of a bounce back. How about Auburn at Ole Miss in that early game Saturday, 11 a.m.? That's an SEC network game. Uh, Auburn early in the week is a four-point favorite. About what the Tigers were going to South Carolina last week before falling by eight to the Gamecocks. Uh, talk to me about Auburn right now, man, because that was not a pretty picture, especially in terms of body language. Some of the stuff you saw on the, uh, Auburn sideline there at williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday. Well, I'll give you a, uh, uh, the, the Auburn team in a microcosm was, uh, Bo Nash goes to the sideline, Seth Williams gets in his face and we don't know what was said, but it was something akin to, and I, and I, and and knowing your intuition, you caught this very quickly. Seth Williams says, look, dude, you're costing me money right now. Uh, either, either by not throwing me the ball or, or by not throwing it where I could catch it. Uh, and, and Trav, what, how do you not at the, on, on the last play or two of the game, how do you not throw yeah. it, throw it to Williams in the end zone? I think you may. Uh, uh, in some of your writings, but, but, but Trav, right now, uh, they are as bad as I have ever seen them, uh, offensively. Chad Morris has, has not done anything for them at all. Bo doesn't trust his offensive line. Uh, the, the best thing they could do right now, frankly, is put Tank Bigsby in a, uh, in a shotgun and, and, and just let him create things because for them at this moment, uh, nothing is working. And, and look, uh, they may be able to score in the Ole Miss defense, but Trav, they, they really, right now, Auburn really struggles to score more than, say, 21 points. Yeah, that was pretty bad there. It was nice, some of the stuff that Bo Nix did. You appreciate his competitive nature sure. and his willingness to sell out with his legs and, and help get the offense down there in position. But at the end of the day, the guy that's going to win the game or at least give you a chance to tie the game there when you're down eight is Seth Williams. you got to no throw doubt. the football to the guy. Absolutely. And I know, look, J.C. Horn, the corner for South Carolina, was outstanding he in was. the game. And – Will Muschamp and that defensive staff, they sent J.C. Horn wherever Seth Williams went. He traveled with him throughout the game. So credit to J.C. Horn. But I still got to give my guy a shot there. And so I guess as much as anything, it's it's the concern you have to have right now about trust issues in general on that football team. And a team that should be one and three is very fortunate to be two and two. Um, an opportunity, I would think, offensively to get some things right against this Ole Miss defense this week. But, um, you know, and, and Lane and, and Ole Miss, they, uh, the, the recipe seems to be out there after Saturday. And what Barry Odom, the Arkansas defensive coordinator, did mostly with zone defense. Uh, I, I'm guessing that uh, Matt Corral can expect to see more of that from Kevin Steele and, and Auburn coming up this week. Uh, I got a text a few minutes ago from a friend of mine who uh, works with the Ole Miss Network, and the text said the last three times Auburn has lost in Oxford, at the end of the season, the Auburn coach was out. 2012, Gene Chiswick, 2008, Tommy Tuberville, and 1992, Pat Dye. Now, now again, that's not going to happen with that. $21 $21 million buyout from Alzon, uh, but uh, I, I expect this to be a uh, another loss, but you're right. I mean, Ole Miss has got their own problems uh, at this point, but but, but again, uh, Trav, I, I just think they simply had score Auburn at this point. I, I think I think Matt Corral uh, and Ely and, uh, and Moore uh, and those guys are able to make more plays 
then Auburn's going to be able to make this point. Uh, and look, even the Auburn beat writers, um, I heard several of them talking the, the other day that said that, that this is a very average team, and they're probably at best going to end up being 5-5 five and five this year. And that's coming from the beat writers. South Carolina coming off that win goes to LSU. Do we know at this point who's going to play quarterback for the Tigers? Because we understand Miles Brennan has a lower extremity issue. Sounds like an abdominal issue, maybe a sports hernia that he's dealing with really gutted it out in hindsight against Missouri LSU's last time out. I mean, this is another perfect type of situation for Will Muschamp and South Carolina to sort of be walking into it. Uh, there's no question about that. And he's got a, he's got a torn muscle in his, in his abdomen. Now, Trav, that just sounds bad, doesn't it? I, I, I would imagine everything he does that he would hurt at that point. So LSU right now is down to a couple of freshmen, uh, Max Johnson and TJ Finley, uh, at this point. Um, the LSU defense has got to show that they're better. Uh, but look, Chai Smith was the Seth Williams for South Carolina and making, he made a really great one-handed catch in, in that game. That, that, that was quite impressive. Uh, there's no telling much money J.C. Horn made in that game going against Seth Williams uh, for, for his future. And uh, Trev, you and I both know Will Muschamp, and sometimes sometimes Will Will's teams win in spite of him. <laughs> <laughs> and this was one of those situations. And listen, this Harris kid at running back, I think he is – uh, has really had a nice year. Frankly, they they probably could have beat Florida. So, look at this point, I would probably go with South Carolina in this. I I just think they're playing better. Uh, they're better at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're not great, but still, can we give Mike Bobo maybe a little bit of love? He stuck with Harris in that in that running game, and at least at this point. I think Will is letting him run most of the offense. Yeah, Ray Tanner, athletic director for South Carolina, probably the happiest guy in the Palmetto State last no weekend <laughs> with that big buyout that was looming with Will Muschamp. That was really the buyout bowl there with Gus it, it, it and was. Will Muschamp. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Brent, as we look ahead, we let you go here with Alabama at Tennessee, the Crimson Tide, a three-touchdown-plus favorite in its latest trip. To Knoxville, tumultuous, I guess, the best way to describe the recent events up there in Knoxville involving Jeremy Pruitt coming off a very disappointing loss to Kentucky on Saturday at Neyland Stadium in the aftermath. Jimmy Brumball, uh, another individual from your neck of the woods down there in the sort of northeast Florida area, is let go as a defensive line coach. There's been talk, Brent, about maybe John Chavis. Maybe yeah. John Chavis yeah. been coaching middle school, I guess, these yeah. days. Uh, maybe John, maybe Phil Fulmer tries to work the chief in there, but it sounds like for now, Pruitt is intent on handling that defensive line himself in advance of the Crimson Tide. Yeah, that's amazing. Per, uh, uh, Jeremy right now, and I still think Jeremy's going to be a good coach. He's 15 and 13 at Tennessee. Brumbaugh, who I thought, frankly, was a pretty good coach, he, he played at Keystone Heights played at Auburn, has been around the league. I just thought the timing was a bit strange uh, as, what, as far as why he would do that uh, at this point. My, my understanding is, Trav, uh, is Will Friend, um, who obviously has state of Alabama ties, uh, is the only guy left on Jeremy's original staff. And they are they're like brothers. Yes, they are. They are tight, yes. very tight. So, and, and look, it's not that they don't have some talent because they do. Eric Great, running back, Josh Palmer, wide receiver. Uh, we know about Trey Smith. Uh, Toa Toa is, is a linebacker I think could play anywhere at this point. But the, the point that you made a few minutes ago, I, I, think, I think they will either circle the wagons here or that they could be in so much turmoil that whatever they do doesn't matter. In this term that use a lot for Nick Saban and his players, I think is apropos for, for Tennessee right now. Trav, does that team and the coaching staff trust each other the way they should to push through this season? Yeah, I think Jeremy is once again in that 
sort of position of having to make some calls where the future is concerned. Yeah. Is Jim Chaney yeah. is Jim Chaney and Chris Winkie is that combination the right one if you really believe Harrison Bailey, the freshman really? quarterback, is the future? Is this is this the uh brain trust and the developmental duo uh that you really think can can get Harrison Bailey to where you're thinking uh he can go in the years to come. Hey Brent, as always, great stuff here with us on Southern Fried Sports. If you haven't already, give Brent a follow at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D there on Twitter. Hey, Brent, thank you again, my man. Always, my friend. Take care. There he goes, Brent Beard, First Coast News and College Sports Today. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. There shouldn't be picture-perfect weather across Tuscaloosa today. Highs near 85. For Wednesday, mostly sunny skies, highs near 86, and for Thursday, a slight chance of a passing afternoon shower or storm highs near 84 degrees. I'm meteorologist James Spann on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. October. Some other news in rock history on this day. Sad news, also from pretty much that part of our country. On this day in 1977, you had the plane crash involving the members of Leonard Skinner down there in Gillsbury, uh, Mississippi. So, uh, Gillsburg, Mississippi, 1977, of course. Ronnie Van Zant. Steve and Cassie Gaines, crew members, perished in that plane crash. 43 years ago today, and growing up in Jacksonville, Florida, still remember as, I guess, a nine-year-old at the time, Tom Wills, Channel 4 News, making that trip out to Mississippi to report on that, that plane crash involving Leonard Skinner. 205-342-9904, the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board in the final moments of this Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports, presented to you in part by Houston Hydrosteam. Good friends there at Houston Hydrosteam. If you need the carpets, the rugs, the window treatments, the tile, the grout, any and all of that cleaned at the highest of levels, Houston Hydrosteam is going to take care of that for you. 205-553-9460. Houston Hydrosteam is home to the Houston Flooring Revival. Tell you, it's a very, very real thing, and you can experience firsthand at 205-553-9460. What about Tua? Tua jumping in there as the starting quarterback. Tua Tonga Vailoa going to make his first start. As an NFL quarterback, one week from Sunday for the Miami Dolphins. Miami is off this week. Three and three, second place, and still what is somewhat of an up for grabs, AFC East. You saw the Bills lose yesterday afternoon at home to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So that thing's not done in the AFC East, but it tells you what – Tua must be showing them during the week to make the move now from Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was always going to happen. But again, at a 3-3 three and three mark and still in contention there in the AFC East, interesting, interesting. Also interesting that you're going to throw Tua in there against the Los Angeles Rams, which means Tua will go against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey in his debut. <laughs> Not exactly the shallow end of the pool for a rookie quarterback making his first start. But exciting news nonetheless. 
Very excited to see how Tua goes about his business. Another reason for you to watch National Football League action, especially in a couple of Sundays when the Dolphins return to the field. But there you go. It's Tua time in Miami. Saw him a little bit last week. Kind of put the wraps on that win over the hapless Jets for the Dolphins. And as we talked about yesterday, I just still cringe when I see Tua go to his left like that. I can't help it. Can't help it. It's like a tick I get whenever Tua rolls to his left or sort of moves to his left. Because uh, some of my least favorite memories of Tua Tagovailoa's time in Tuscaloosa involved those very same scenarios um you know what else we got to get into as the week moves on too we got to get into some picks you know rusty not a bad week rusty two and two last week Five hundred. yeah you know you had to pay a little vig with rusty otherwise you came out even with those home dogs with teeth picks that rusty gives you on a weekly basis rusty after the two and two now 13 six and one you know that's a profitable run right there for Rusty. We'll take that, Rusty. We got some more home underdogs in the Southeastern Conference this week as well. You're going to have Missouri as a six-and-a-half-point dog hosting Kentucky at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Ole Miss, as we talked about with Brent Beard, four-point dog, fought Hemingway Stadium in that 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday with the Auburn Tigers coming in there. And uh, Alabama, as a 19-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Tennessee. So we'll see if Rusty finds any or all of those games to his liking. Pops, by the way, 2-1 and uh, one last Saturday. He gave you South Carolina over Auburn straight up. He had Ole Miss on the road at Arkansas. Didn't work out too well for him there. And he had Alabama over Georgia. So Pops now 4-5 and five in the season. We join him later in the week. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Brent Beard. Thanks to Joe Gaither. Back with us. Reunited, and it feels so good. Always great to be back with Joe. And your lunch whistle on this Tuesday. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. It is a Thai chicken pizza Tuesday starting at 6 o'clock. $7 Thai chicken pizzas. I couldn't wait last night. Last night I had to have a Thai chicken pizza on Monday, so I did it. Brought home a couple of pies for the chocolate lady and myself. And the best part of all that, had a few slices left over for lunch today. Second day, Heat Pizza Bar Pizza. Can't beat that either. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. No sunshine.